Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, this is the COB, brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Hi, well, hello, hello. This is the COB, all the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets. I'm Nadine Blaney. I'm Kyle Rodder. I'm very excited to kick off our first COB. Whoa, what do you mean? We've been doing the COB for years, Kyle. How yes, are you today? Yes, but now you can see us, and that's so much better. No, we're fantastic, although the market's obviously, uh, well, still in a state of slight trepidation, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, it is uh, actually gone a little bit south as we get closer and closer to the final matchout. The SIBO Australia Index, of course, has seen the curtains come down, down by 1.3%. And Kyle, it is a lot of it being traced back to, you know, watching what's happening with futures in the US. So when I was on air earlier today, uh, SPY futures, NASDAQ futures, were all looking pretty positive. But mm. now we've got, uh, you know, really seeing the S&P 500 futures turning negative, not greatly, but it just adds to a lot of the uncertainty out there. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that this ain't over yet. The Swiss, is obviously, the Swiss have obviously moved very, very quickly to contain any contagion risk in their banks. But like you said, uh, we had a bit of a rally uh, at the open today in uh, Wall Street futures and a little bit of a bounce to the ASX 200. But when Asian markets came online, clearly some of those concerns still about global banks uh, uh, really uh, weighing on, on mm -hmm. market sentiment. So uh, you can see they're down 1.3%. Wouldn't mind just highlighting the ASX 200 too, down 1.37%, down below 6,900. Yeah, there was a little bit of thought this morning that we could see potentially even a bit of a relief rally because, mm -hmm. of course, we did have central banks in a coordinated effort move in to provide liquidity to the market to head off some sort of a financial crisis or crunch, because of course that is what we don't want to see. That's reminiscent of 2008. But that rally didn't come to fruition. I mean, we've got Hong Kong stocks coming under pressure. So stocks right around the region and watching HSBC shares as well falling. Uh, last I checked was about 6%. So just speaks to a lot of the nervousness out there. And uh, that's, you know, really in keeping with the three themes, which has to be, you know, we've got worries about a credit crunch or crisis with this banking crisis. We've got a flight to safety going on, so we will talk gold as well in the next few minutes. And of course, we are still you know, on the cusp of getting these Central rate hikes yeah, yeah, coming later in the week. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose this is what will the conversation be really dominated for the rest of the week now by for the rest of the week will be, well, does the Fed move at all? And does it even start to signal, well, perhaps uh, a bit of a pullback from its more hawkish rhetoric of the most uh, of, of, of recent weeks? Most of the people that I've been speaking with today, in fact, all are expecting a 25 basis point hike from the Fed. They just can't see, mm. you know, the Fed changing its tune now. Not only that, but that would be seen as recognition of just how scary, you know, things are. If you have a central bank that's focused on inflation, all of a sudden saying that it's not going to hike, as has been widely expected, well, that would get alarm bells ringing 
in and of itself. You would think so, almost like screaming fire in a cinema, you just don't want to do it. No, no. Uh, let's get to some of the sectors of the day today, though. Look, energy was the worst performer, at least one of them. We saw a lot of selling pressure coming through in the energy sector. There's Whitside down by about 3%. I guess... Um, Coal plays there too. Yeah. Uh, been a really, really big uh, laggard when it comes to, well, I suppose ex as an expression of some of these growth concerns. So Whitehaven Coal, you can see they're down by 4% and at around $6.38, I don't think the stock's been there since probably the halfway point of last <laughs> year. So uh, quite an unwind. Uh, we had uh, REITs, A REITs, actually one of the worst performers as well. So flipping the page there and you can see uh, Goodman Group, you know, one of those stalwarts through the pandemic off by 3%, Center Group off by 4%. Christopher Kent spoke today. Mm. Uh, was there much in that for markets to take away when it comes to consumers and the impact, that lagging? I mean, I know that was the title, the lagging impact of monetary policy? Well, it was interesting, actually, because I think it probably led to a slight dip in the Australian dollar because it came back to that rhetoric around potentially uh, the, well, obviously the, the speech was long variable lags of, of monetary policy, but you know, the fact is, the fact is that mortgage, mortgage cliff will play the big savings buffer that, uh, that uh, Australians built up during the pandemic, that that means that the uh, well, lags will be a little bit longer than in previous cycles. So there was that statement made, but there was also obviously some reassurance there about the Australian uh, banking sector and uh, well, its relative strengths mm -hmm. to the rest of the world. But I think the real key takeaway was yeah, that rhetoric going back to just sort of waiting and watching um, a bit of a, I guess, basis for a possible pause next month when the RBA meets again. Okay, so uh, look, I think all sectors were negative overall. Uh, so the relative best performing sector was the telecommunication services play. So again, this just speaks to that that flight to safety. And obviously we've been keeping a very close eye on the banks. Um, let's take a look at the banks here in Australia, you know, down by, uh, you know, between one, you know, one and a half, close to 3%. Uh, maybe we'll ask our guest who's coming up shortly, Mark Gardner from Macro Capital, what's going on there as far as we can see with uh, Macquarie, because that is quite a significant underperformer there. I'd presume that's just uh, some of its global exposure coming back to bite. And the regional banks as well, they've been sort of ground zero when we were really concerned last week in the wake of SVB. Doesn't that feel like a long time ago now? Yes. Um, but down sort of in line with, with the broader banking space. Yeah, absolutely. Suncorp there, as you can see, uh, down four and a half percent, a fairly significant drop. Okay, so Kyle, you had, uh, look, the pleasure of writing The View in our COB newsletter today. I just thought this would be a good segue. We've got a poll up on Twitter right now. So have recent events in the banking sector, such as the bankruptcy or buyouts of banks like Credit Suisse, made you reconsider your portfolio allocation to banks? Um, because your sort, of, your sort of takeaway in The View, isn't it, is that, you know, we... We often talk about, you know, Australian banks being so different. Obviously, they are to global banks, particularly those like Credit Suisse and SVB. But what you're saying essentially is that, you know, don't write off the risk of some sort of a credit crunch, credit crisis happening. Yeah, well, it's just interesting back uh, way before the pandemic um, and before the zero interest rate policy was put into hyperdrive uh, throughout that period that a topic of conversation that would come up uh, in a previous life, of course, was just the leverage that sat on corporate balance sheets in the United States. And the risk, obviously, in these situations, the question that is often asked is that are there pockets of instability or perhaps highly leveraged areas of the economy that could be very, very sensitive to interest rate hikes? Well, it happens to be the case that corporate 
uh, leverage is basically as high as a percentage of DUP that it has been in history and interest coverage ratios are starting to, to really weaken. So um, just a bit of a question to ask as we see some of these regional banks uh, fail or even come to the, uh, the, the, the precipice, whether there might be some deeper issues in the rural economy that haven't become apparent just yet. Okay, look, obviously the banking crisis is, you know, what it's all about, but there was a bit of corporate news out today. We did have Australian Clinical Labs. It was a bit of an M&A Monday if you throw Credit Suisse and EPS in there as well. Australian Clinical Labs uh, making an offer for Helios. So ACL shares up 2.2%, Helios up by 8%. Some calling that opportunistic. We had word that the ACCC is taking its sweet time when it comes to making a decision on Alliance Aviation. Remelius uh, made a takeover play for Breaker Resources and don't even know what Breaker is, but uh, there's some more M&A activity there with Remelius making that bid for Breaker Resources. And then we had Latitude actually yeah. coming through. Yeah, yeah, actually uh, requesting a suspension of trading in its shares because the hack that was reported last week still ongoing, still compromising the security of its customers. So it's actually stopped onboarding new clients and also more or less stopped uh, the uh, the platform its platform from functioning. So a little bit of a concern there, of course, is uh, well, Latitude becomes the latest company to succumb to some of these uh, risks around hacking. Look, uh, I had the pleasure of hosting the call today in Kashi's absence, and it was actually on the back of a viewer suggestion saying, Nadine, instead of getting a stock of the day related to the corporate news, which is what we often do, he said, why don't you just ask your guests for one company that they would buy, considering the market sell down and what they would add to their portfolio, um, you know, basically a buy for troubled times. Uh, and here's what my guests picked. It was uh, Philip Pepe from Sean Partners and David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Take a listen. It has to be a gold stock. Um, we're finally seeing the flight to quality that isn't flight to safety, that isn't Bitcoin in some people's minds. Gold is getting back to where it would normally be in times of uncertainty around the $2,000 an ounce. Um, you want a, a large liquid gold producer, Australian based, that pays a small dividend. For me, that's Northern Star. It's, uh, its market cap is over the 12 and a half bill before this morning. It's up again today, pays a small dividend. You'd expect the if this volatility continues, the Aussie, the US dollar gold price to keep rallying. And if the Aussie dollar continues to weaken, I think it's at 67 cents as of this morning, that's a double positive. So gold companies are probably good diversifier in normal conditions anyway. In times of excess volatility, as we have at the moment, you've got to own a large liquid gold company. And for me, it's uh, Northern Star. Um, it's a drilling company and it's state-of-the-art drilling equipment that it provides to the gold sector, you know, predominantly. And uh, they've took over Swick Mining recently, so which is one of the biggest underground drilling companies, and they have a 7.2% fully franked dividend yield, which grossed up would be 10.3% in a bank. That's likely to go up. It's on a six times earnings multiple. Um, the company's also instituting a share buyback. I mean, down here, it's, it's incredibly great, great value down here, 80% return on equity. And the demand for the drilling equipment is just going up. So with, especially with the gold price uh, where it's heading, Right now, there's just a huge demand for their equipment.
So look, clearly there, Kyle, you know, both guests looking for safety, um, mm -hmm. you know, leverage to the gold space commodities story, which has remained quite strong. You know, iron ore came up in that conversation in that episode quite a lot. And you want to listen to it to the full episode. It's online, ausbiz.com.au, or you can listen to the podcast if that's your thing, because there were I think there were two double buys and a couple sells in there as well. And sometimes selling, you know, it's just as important to know what you want to sell and get rid of. So you don't waste your opportunities going forward. So I would urge you to listen to that episode of The Call if you want to get some buys and one in the iron ore space. I don't mind teasing you like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought it's worth gold up 7.4% our entire sector and for the week up 11%. So yeah, the guys are talking a little bit about that there. But well, let's get perhaps a view on gold to start with. Welcome to the close of business, Mark Gardner. Mark, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us uh, this afternoon. Obviously, a pretty tumultuous day on the market. Um, might, again, just start with that gold play because it seems to be you know the only place to hide right now. Uh, do you sort of subscribe to the, the view of having a little bit of gold uh, in, in your portfolio to create that kind of hedge? Or, or how do you typically uh, get involved in the space, if at all? Not generally. Um... However, obviously, you know, Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum have jumped. So people are running to, you know, they've lost a little bit of faith in the fiat currency system and uh, they're running to those assets. Uh, I would prefer something, you know, with, a, you know, a lot of the gold players will have a lot of copper in there. Um, so I'll, I'll sort of try and get something with, because uh, I don't like the non-industrial use of gold. Uh, it's only about 12% overall. And, um, and we do have a Federal Reserve meeting coming up on Thursday. So if rates go 25 again, you know, we, we probably see a little bit of a dent in that as well. So, uh, but I think we, yeah, we've been buying a little bit of Gold Road. Um, it doesn't, just because I'm not a massive subscriber to, you know, the gold standard or flight to safety in gold, uh, doesn't mean it's not gonna move. So we've been buying a little bit of Gold Road in the last week um, as GOR was our preferred exposure for now. Um, and I'm also just, you know, in, in the event that we start to see, you know, a serious contagion within the banking sector, then obviously we'll look at um, GOLD uh, ETF, uh, which is priced in US dollars because that's sort of almost a double safe haven US dollar, and um, you know, and gold on, you know, on top. So you don't really want to have have it in Australian dollars just in case there is contagion because we are seen as a risk uh, currency. So you might find that you, you pick the move and then the Aussie dollar ends up taking away a whole heap of your profits. So yeah, it's horses for causes. We, I, I tend to have it on for very, very short periods. We had it on during the uh, Ukraine invasion. Um, and But look, no longer than a few weeks. It's more of a buffer. Well, you just use it more of as a buffer for the portfolio, not as a long-term investing. What about the poll question that I referenced earlier? You know, are you reconsidering any allocation to banks given, I mean, even set aside, the economic slowdown, mm. the interest rate hikes, but just given this, this real concern about contagion right now. Not, not on the, I'm not, uh, not on the big four because that, but that was more for the reasons of, uh, you know, the Australian property market. They do, the Australian banks only tend to rally when we've got new home loan initiations rising from the previous year. Um, something like Macquarie, which is very cashed up at the moment, it's already flagged a, uh, a record profit. Um, coming up in May, um, April, May when they report. Well, uh, look, I'll be looking to. Um, Basically, we bought small clips last week, uh, added another couple of percent. We'll be just adding the whole way down uh, in that one. They're, uh, they're in very good shape. The energy and, com energy and commodities trading desk is one of the best in the world. Um, and, you know, they're, they're a high quality business. And we'd probably just be looking at the, uh, the big four building societies, um, probably a little bit, um, I don't know, maybe 10% lower than here potentially, or 8% lower than here sort of thing, just to start scaling in. But until we sort of see, you know, things return to normal, um, remember 
thinking back to 2007, 2008, um, we, you know, there was a few murmurings um, and obviously a couple of banks fell over and then there was other dominoes that fell. While SVB was probably poor risk management um, and Credit Suisse has been on the brink for a long time, um, you know, whether this is isolated or whether whether this spreads is probably the jury's still out. But is that why, you know, Macquarie is down by 4% today? It's just that guilt by association? It's guilt it by association flow. for yeah. sure, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, they're very, very different businesses, but look, it's, you know, market, you know, the market sees Macquarie more as an investment bank, obviously, because mm-hmm. it, it is. Um, and yeah, so it, it will drop away. So that's why we're just scaling in over time. We're not, uh, not trying to pick a bottom in one go. Because we'll get back to, I guess, the core issue today, which was the UBS and uh, well, takeover of Credit Suisse, forced takeover, I guess, mm. it'd be fairly fair to say. I mean, we haven't really seen much of a follow-through in sentiment in Asian markets. So, I mean, do we infer from this a little bit like you were saying, you know, in the 07, 08 situation, there's a little uh, spot fire here, a little spot fire there, some, you know, kind words, assurances and policy steps from mm. um, policy makers. Um, but again, there's still some of those, um, you know, the... the, the, the Proverbial dead fish to float to the water. Still, is that what we're just sort of worried that we're and waiting for? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see the forest for the trees here. The Nasdaq was up six percent last week. Um, there's mm. a notion that tech could become a safe haven, which is absolute garbage, because basically growth stocks. I mean, you know, apart from those really cashed up mega techs, the rest of the Nasdaq is gonna. If banks are finding it hard to get liquidity, the, the like growth tech stocks have no chance of finding liquidity. So they've either got to become profitable or they're going to pay massive amounts of extra money for uh, to get access to capital. So it's not, you know, so things have definitely changed there. And um, so, look, I think um, the NASDAQ is still, I mean, we're towards sort of, you know, towards the top of the range, January, February highs in that. Um, I can kind of get it because it's probably the only sector that hasn't been affected, I suppose. But, um, but you know, Silicon Valley Bank was the one that fell over. They're going to have, as I said, they're going to, they're going to have at the issues not going to shareholders cap in hand every time they run out of money. You can get higher, you know, higher risk-free returns in uh, in bond yields now. So, yeah, look, I, I think that's probably a bit of an anomaly um, as it stands at the moment. So, yeah, I. I'd, be, I'd just be very cautious. I think we, last Wednesday we spoke about this. You know, I wasn't necessarily calling um, the market to get smacked, but it's it's definitely time for a bit of caution because if uh, if another few dominoes fall, I think people will start to really lose faith in the market. Well, year to date, the local market's now down by about two percent. So mm. you think that in a worst case scenario, we could be talking about you know bear market type falls at ten percent. 25% because that's what everybody wants to know when it comes to also considering when mm. to deploy some of their cash because there are a lot of investors out there that are cashed out waiting for the market to kind of bottom. So you're saying that this is a news flow dictated market. The headlines will drive it day by day, which includes central banks later this week mm. and that, you, you know, the bottom is not in. No, the bottom's not in at the moment. Well, I mean, who knows? I don't have a crystal ball. Who knows? It may well be, but I don't think you want to be betting on that right now. I think just... You should have a high cash balance and just be scaling in over the over a period of time in high quality companies is pretty much the the best way to approach this. You don't need to be taking any unnecessary risk because it will hurt you. Just one final question and to the week ahead. Uh, central banks, I mean, is all just hinge, hinge on effectively what they do when, and probably more importantly what they say now? Yeah, absolutely. I think they'll follow, the FOMC will follow suit from the ECB. They will probably still go 25 so they don't look like they're panicking, but they'll probably remove the forward guidance. We will see. We've got a lot to get through between now and then. I have a feeling Mark Gardner, Macro Capital, thank you for joining us on the COB.
Cheers. Now, let's get to, uh, yeah, I suppose some of the leaders and the laggards of the session today. Before that, though, let's check out what's happening overnight. There's actually not a lot of data out overnight. We've got, I think it's producer prices. We've got some inflation data coming mm. from Germany uh, that we can get up on screen. And tomorrow we have some companies with a bit of news. I believe that we've got uh, E-Road. We've got a number of companies with uh, yeah, well, that's a pretty poor share price performance today, I think, speaking to Mark's concern about tech. Um, but we do have, um, yeah, it's a couple of updates. We've got an AGM with Fletcher Building, so a few, you know, minor corporate events on the horizon tomorrow. Yeah, and we'll look towards those RBA minutes as well, following on from that uh, speech that we had from Christopher Kent this morning, try and get a little bit of colour around, well, why the less hawkish language? Uh, at its meeting at the start of the month. Of course, we're still speculating what could happen in April. Uh, we've had several conversations today mm -hmm. about the rates outlook from here, pricing in the next move to be a cut. Is that justified? Well, maybe we'll get some color tomorrow. Yeah, all right. So let's take a look at some of these market leaders and laggards. And you'll note when it comes to the leaders today, Kyle, there is a theme. Yes, I know. And I probably preempted it a little bit before, but it's uh, all about gold again. Two factors, really. It's that whole uh, systemic risk play, getting away from um, you know traditional uh, fiat assets. And then, well, there's been such a rapid repricing, as we were just saying before, when it comes to interest rate expectations. Um, the move index, actually, something to worth, um, worth noting as well. Uh, a measure of implied volatility effect in the bond market, effectively the VIX for the bond market, highest it's been since the GFC. So there's all these sorts of signals that suggests that, well, at least from a narrative point of view, you jump into gold up 10% or thereabouts yeah. today. And uh, I do note that Silver Squeeze is trending on Twitter. And we also saw on that leader's screen, if we can bring it back up, please, that we've got uh, Helios on there after that M&A, that takeover bid that's been lobbed by ACL, which of course did, uh, I suppose, get get a little bit overlooked today, considering all the news that we had about uh, those banks that continue to occupy the mind. All right, let's get to some of the laggards out there today. And uh, yeah, look no further than some of those tech names. Um, we do have EML is uh, one of the worst performers today. IPH, of course, it had a cyber attack last week, down by 1.3%. Reverse Solutions off by 2.5% and NRW Holdings is off by 5.6%. NRW though, remember it's trading ex-dividend today. We do have a number of companies that are still trading without their dividend in the wake of reporting season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a few of the lithium names also struggling today. Liontown Resources down by around 9%. Novonix, uh, obviously not a lithium play, but down by 9.8%. Mm -hmm. So uh, that energy story as well being another one we're keeping a close watch on. Um, just growth concerns really um, hitting underlying commodity prices now and that being reflected very, very acutely in our market. Yeah, it's so interesting because this morning, to your point, you know, the lithium names were all higher when we got online. Also iron ore. So iron ore miners were looking pretty good early in the session, but we have seen a bit of pressure coming through on the price of iron ore and China obviously not too pleased with the extent of the gains that we have seen in the price uh, so far yes. this year at least. And we can take a look at some of these small cap leaders and laggards as well. Uh, look, the small cap part of the market has been a really difficult place for investors as of late. 
So again, looking at some of these names, you can see St. Barbara there, um, really benefiting from that flight to safety that we've been continuing to speak of when it comes to gold. And look, I've got to admit, I don't know what the story is with some of these other names here, but I will make it a point to look into them all and some of the laggards in the space. Let's flip the page and see uh, what's coming to the fore here. Yes, definitely. Um, well, I have to add to ASX Small Ordinary is down 3.6% mm -hmm. for the year as well. So always higher beta, um, but you can kind of see uh, the evidence of it there today as well. Hard to necessarily gain a particular theme, but well, I mean, smalls are always going to have trouble on uh, mm -hmm. in environments that uh, well, we're concerned about broader market stability as well as the growth outlook. All right, just keeping a very close eye on those US and European futures. We're heading toward the European Open at this time. Uh, we've got the E-minis, uh, S&P 500 and NASDAQ E-minis actually just in positive territory. But look, this is going to be a moment by moment proposition, I dare say. We'll see what any of the regulators, what any of the central bankers come out and say through the overnight period. Uh, look, it really feels live out there right now, Carl. Yeah, definitely. And uh, well, worth noting too that there on your screen is the uh, final price for the CBO 200 down 1.31% for the session. And uh, the final price of the day uh, the last trade has obviously gone through for the ASX 200, down 1.38% to 68.98. So another significant dropout for our market it was actually the six week, sixth week in a row last week uh, that we, uh, we we registered a decline. Uh, and so far, not so good for the local balls. Yeah, we don't say that with any um, happiness. The safe haven yen and the dollar regaining their footing as we move, make our way toward the European Open. Hey, Carl, should we call it call it a day from us? If you've missed anything, you can catch up online, of course as always, at osbiz.com.au. See you tomorrow morning. The COB is brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission.